0: Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Firm, but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. Michael Preston. Back here on the Cougar Center Hour, another quarantine edition, my favorite WSU memory. We're going to get, this is going to stop eventually. We're going to get some sports eventually. Right? I think NASCAR starts in like two weeks if you're listening to this. So uh, maybe we become a NASCAR podcast at some point. Yeah. Huh? Remember when that sport was popular? Yeah, me too. <laughs> We're back here on the My Favorite Memory Podcast. We've been doing these uh, all throughout uh, COVID-19, coronavirus' complete and total halt of anything, all things sports. And for the first time, we're going to talk about a basketball game. And I, I'm very, I was actually very happy to hear that our guest wanted to talk about a basketball game because we talked about so many football games. And, and while that is very fun to relive all of that... I also wanted to relive a basketball game because there were other really great events in WSU history. And for this one, we reached out to an old friend of the podcast, KHQ's evening weather anchor, Blake Jensen. We were both in school at the same time. And Blake wanted to talk about a basketball game that actually was my freshman year, but that I was not in Pullman for. I had been the, you know, my freshman year, I was not as into WSU sports as I would become and now am. And I did not head back early for this game. The Gonzaga game a few weeks before was my first taste of basketball, but I did not think about going back to Pullman early for this basketball game, despite the fact that it was the number seven team in the country coming in in Arizona, and Wazoo was kind of on the ascendancy. And one of the other things about this game I did not realize in preparing for it was that this game was not televised. And I cannot find radio highlights to save my life of this game anywhere. So the only record of this game that exists anymore is in the mind of our guest, Blake Jensen, and any of the other 7,000 people who were there that night. And in some box scores. That's all that I can find of this. You're not going to hear any of those highlights or the building to those special moments in this one because we just, we had nowhere to go To find any of it. And it amazed me that we didn't have it. But you also remember, again, back then, not every game was televised. And there certainly was, like, I think the in-arena video board was a projector screen. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, other people remember that, right? Like, other people remember it back then. I'm pretty sure in one corner, they had a projector screen. Like, they just hung from the roof. And it, it was a fairly big projector, but that was all that we had inside of Beasley Coliseum to watch like any video of any kind. So this game was not televised. So it's that win over Arizona that kind of, you know, like we'll talk about with Blake, you know, you kind of got the feeling after that Gonzaga game that maybe this team could do something special. But after this game, you definitely knew that they were going to do something special and that this was the start of something really incredible that we had not seen before and part of what made my college experience so unique was the fact that the basketball team was the team you wanted to see, you had to see. It was not the football team in fact. It was the basketball team. You had to be at Beasley Coliseum every weekend there every Thursday there was a home game, every Saturday there was a home game because this was back when home games were Thursday, Saturday. Every every home weekend was Thursday, Saturday and you knew on a given week When that was the case, you just weren't getting anything done late in the week because you were too delirious on Friday from the game and then Saturday you were back at Beasley. So let's talk about that game. We're going to listen to the fight song here as usual. Blake Jensen, the evening news weather anchor, I made that mistake introducing him too, the evening weather anchor at KHQ in Spokane joins us to talk about the 2007 basketball win over Arizona. Here on the Cougar Center hour, and we're going as far back into the well, so to speak, as we've gone. If you don't include the mega cast we did covering 1997, it's also the first time we're covering another sport, which is what I've asked of people. Geez, all they want to talk about is basketball. But luckily, the evening news or the evening weather anchor at KHQ. I almost said news, Blake Jensen, but you do weather at <laughs> KHQ. Uh, you want to talk about a basketball game, the 2007 tilt with Arizona, which. You know, I I think we, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording, and I think people remember that game a little bit, but it kind of gets lost in the shuffle because before this podcast, when I was getting ready to talk about it, it's the first game I've discovered that we've talked about in kind of these My Favorite Memories where no highlights exist of it anywhere because it was not broadcast on TV.
1: I was looking for those everywhere because it was such a – I literally have my computer up right now, and I was, I was looking for those highlights also just to kind of get a feel of that game again. Um, but, it, yeah, it's, it, that, maybe that's one of the reasons it's so special is that it's, it's one that lives in memory and memory only. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was a special one. And I think, too, we were talking about before the broadcast, um, it, it was kind of – that game was kind of the – I guess it was kind of the lead up. You started to get the feel that that was going to be a really, really special season after that Arizona game. And and people were still kind of buying into the Tony Bennett era. Mm -hmm. Um, and and they had beaten Gonzaga about three weeks earlier, and you were like, oh, okay, this could be this could be something. And then that Arizona, I think Arizona was ranked uh, seventh in the country at that point. Yeah. Um, that was the that was the game that everyone was like, oh, this this team is for real. Uh, and it started to roll after that. Yeah. So, so that was kind of the, the starting point, I think, for that that Tony Bennett
0: era. I want to talk about that Gonzaga game in a little bit because I think, like you said, that wasn't quite like the impetus that oh my God, this team is going to be good. It was kind of that first indication that they might be really good but I want to start with where you came from kind of like everybody else so what growing up for Blake Jensen what was was it being a Coug fan was it a Husky fan because if I'm remembering right you grew up in Skagit County I think on the west side of the state just north of Seattle if I'm remembering correctly
1: memory of an elephant yeah oh yeah, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> not a uh, lot of people know it's not because I'm fat it's because elephants have good memories that's why <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, it, yeah Skagit Valley uh all we're known for are tulips uh, but uh yeah no I grew up Mount Vernon but my I actually grew up in a husky family mm-hmm. uh My dad was the only Coug grad, and uh, growing up, you know, six hours from Pullman, uh, it was hard to get over there, but my dad uh, made it a point that by the time we were old enough to remember, so like, my brother and I, seven and five, five and three, you know, we were going over to at least one Coug football game a year, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of, to kind of keep us away from the Husky influence as much as possible. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and very, so from very young, from a very young age, it was, it was WSU and then obviously going into, uh, broadcasting just kind of furthered that, uh, that position. Um, yeah. so I, I, was already in love with the campus. I was already a diehard Coupe fan by the time I was, you know, uh, 10, 11 years old. And, and so it, being when we were there uh together uh i would say that it was yeah i don't want to date us but yeah i mean god let me get
0: let me get my my cane out to, uh let's <laughs> talk about those days yes <laughs> we go back yeah. uh yeah and
1: and when uh when we were there i think it was top five broadcast school in the country so that mm-hmm. would that made it that made it an easy decision um that that my my passions and and my future um aligned with the place that i already was in love with so yeah. um you know, spurned, spurned the Huskies out of the family and, uh, and ended up at WSU. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we were talking about before, I was like, you, you asked, what what are your favorite memories, Coug memories? And I had a, a lot of them are, you know, football related, but when you and I were there, I don't want to, you know, obviously people know when we were there now for talking about this, but we didn't have football as much, no. you know, we no. had, we had basketball and that's what you looked forward to. And that's, uh, you know, especially that from Oh six to Oh nine, um, you know, that's when you were waiting in line for 18 hours to get into a game when they would let you, mm-hmm. um, yep. that was the, that was the exciting part for us that kind of defined our college career athletically, um, because the football team, I mean, we, we had that first year, freshman year, uh, with Jerome Harrison and Alex Brink and those guys. And that was a fun year. Um, but, uh, you know, after that, it, it kind of all transitioned to basketball.
0: Well, I, I cannot, and I wanted to ask about this as well, because I think for me, you know, going back to those days, it kind of created this unique experience where, you know, the basketball team had been good in the past. Obviously, they had NCAA tournament appearances, you know, as infrequent as they were prior to that. But we were really that first generation of Coug fans for whom the basketball team meant a lot more than the football team. Because, I mean, yeah. really, I mean, it was, it, it was just vast, the gap between the quality of those two squads. Did you ever feel... Kind of in those intervening years, I mean, obviously the football team got re- really, really bad for a long time. But did you ever feel yeah. like, kind of a, di- I, I, I don't really know how to put a finger on it, like a difference in your fandom compared to like you know folks like your dad or, or other people he knew who were obviously way more connected to the football team. Well,
1: I, I think there's certainly something to that. And I'll, I'll put it this way: in that when I went to WSU, I certainly wasn't, um, you know, anticipating basketball being the defining you know feature of my of my time there and it ended up being that because I was a senior in high school you know the year before when when they were you know third in the country and then lost to the Huskies in order to go to the Rose Bowl you know what I mean and so that was or was that junior year of high school um oh three yeah the oh three year yeah um and and so you know you're going into college and with that you know lead up to it and getting all excited to you know to go to football games and then Um, and then, you know, things kind of went downhill pretty quickly, uh, for the, for the football program and then picked up really, and and that was the the crazy thing for the basketball team is I was a, as a freshman, uh, in my dorm, um, Josh Akoyan, you remember that name? I
0: do remember that name. Yes.
1: (laughs) Josh Akoyan was, uh, was the across the hall neighbor of mine in the dorms and uh, never saw him. His name was just on the door. I don't think I ever saw him one time. Uh, but I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. This guy's on the basketball team. I'll go check out a game. Um, and that was that freshman year, and nobody was in the stands.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: nobody. That was Dick's, Dick Bennett's last year yep. uh, as the head coach, and, and nobody was there. And then the the, the – the juxtaposition from that year to sophomore year where you had, you know, 13,000 people, uh, in, in Beasley, um, and just going bananas, especially like at that, that Arizona game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just crazy. It was, it was, it was such a rapid rise, I guess that, that that was kind of the surprising thing is again, I went there thinking, man, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be all about football. Um, and then, yeah, my, like my dad was there with Jack Thompson and, and, and those squads. Mm-hmm. And so I, I heard, I heard all those stories and, you know, wanted to make my own football memories. And, and, uh, I think we, <laughs> we made our own football memories in our own way. Those, those down years, but, uh. But basketball certainly was the highlight that you that you looked forward to and and, uh, and planned around.
0: I don't know if I call them memories more nightmares would be, yeah, uh, night, be more, nightmares. and the more accurate description of those. So if you if you lived across the hall from Josh and what floor of Straight or Parham were you on that year? You, this is gonna blow your mind. Waller. Oh Waller god. Hall. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
1: Waller Waller Hall. I never saw him one time, but uh, Waller Hall.
0: So, so that that poor guy had to hike from Waller, at the very least, over to the Peb, but he, all the way up to Beasley. Because I thought that's why a lot of the basketball players stayed in Straight bear, because it was right across the street from everything. So this guy, no wonder you didn't see him. He was spending all of his time in transit between the two places.
1: Either either that, or he found a teammate to uh, to, yeah. to, to hang out with. But <laughs> that, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, that was that was it, it was interesting because we were like, well, this is this is a little. A little different, but uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing the name and going like, "Oh, that's cool. That's the starting point guard on the basketball team. I should go check out a game sometime." Yeah. Um, and then I remember going to those first, you know, a couple of those first Dick Bennett games, and and uh, yeah, there was just no one there. There was no excitement for basketball, and then uh, and then it just there's that kind of slow build up. Um, and I think that's again one of the things that makes that team so special is that it was a bunch of guys that mm-hmm. um, you didn't individually you wouldn't expect to be all that good, but it was something about that team and Tony and how he was able to, to implement his system in a way that, that was able to capitalize on the talents of all of those different guys. Yeah. Uh, and, and together made something very special that, that was, like I said, the defining feature of, of our, you know, of our time in college.
0: Yeah. Let's, so let's talk about that 2006 season, 2006, 2007 season. It was your sophomore year in school. And I mean, obviously this is when this team's getting good. And I want to talk about that Gonzaga game a little bit, because, I looked back at the schedule, and leading up to it, you know, it's not like you would have thought this team was doing anything particularly special. Their best win uh, before that game was probably against Boise State a few weeks yep. before, but it was a close win when they played the game up in Spokane, so they didn't even get to do it in front of the students. Yep. And I think my memory from this game, because it was, you know, I'd been to a couple of football games that year, but I had not yet been to a basketball game. And I, I, I distinctly remember I had to get talked into going by a buddy and that the student section was relatively full, but we did not arrive early and we still got relatively good seats. Is that, was that what you remember from that game? Because I mean, there were more people there obviously because it's a regional rival, but it's not like things were full quite yet.
1: Yeah, and that was that was kind of what I was saying. You know, even even then, I think you're right. At Boise State's your most exciting win coming into that game, um, and so there was still it was still that buildup. I think that Gonzaga game was the one because Gonzaga was ranked. You know, mm-hmm. I think that I think that Gonzaga game was the one that once they once they, it, it, you know how the, the I don't know what it is, and I don't want to you know, but I feel like to fans we kind of have this like wait and see approach like we don't want to have our heart broken again you know what
0: i mean no so I, can't, think... I can't i can't i <laughs> can't open my heart up to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no so i think a
1: lot of people are we're still kind of like not necessarily on the fence but just wanted to see is is this for real i mean they're winning some games here and there but yeah it, it I, too uh, i mean no one's getting super excited for the win over texas san antonio or
0: radford yeah or yeah, idaho radford, state or, yeah UW, no,
1: milwaukee so you're you know you're, you're looking at it and you're going okay you know let's this will be kind of the you know the litmus test if you will uh, this gonzaga game so yeah i i don't it, it's so funny because in those in those moments you're 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 living you're so much living in the moment like looking back on the game that's not even what i remember i don't remember necessarily the the crowd or the numbers i just remember you, you're kind of going on like a wave of emotion like a wave, yeah. by wave of emotion mm-hmm. each and especially uh that game being the gonzaga game and the powerhouse that gonzaga had been for so long at that point um it was uh you know it was it was every moment you were hanging on and i think that was a One of the things about Tony Bennett, too, is that every, you know, that was his whole game plan. Every possession meant everything. Um, And so every time they scored or they got a defensive stop or they got a rebound, I mean, it was like that was a huge deal. And so you're you're just kind of waiting on every single moment um and uh and yeah that that was uh that was a special game i don't remember the i don't remember the student section but that wouldn't surprise me at all yeah uh if you were able to walk in and still get a seat well and i um, think
0: yeah i think you're kind of talking about that memory of you know i don't remember anything specific either but what i i i kind of weirdly have this memory of this wave of emotion at the end of the game knowing that yeah. they had won it and then i have a yeah. i have a vivid memory of holding back everybody in our aisle and trying to get a foot out of the people behind us so I could get down the aisle quick enough onto the court to rush the court after that win. I think it's the only time I've ever stormed the court at Beasley or at Martin Stadium for that matter. I think that's that remains my only court rush.
1: Are you one of the anti-court rushers?
0: No, I'm not. No, I. I am. No, I am. I have. I have made my position clear over the years. They are college students. Let them do whatever they want. Yeah. There are ones that are yeah. dumber than others, but really, they're college students. So who really gives a dang? I understand it from a liability perspective. In case somebody gets hurt, schools are liable and yada yada yada. I understand it from an insurance perspective, but in terms of a curmudgeon expect you know uh, perspective, no, no. Let the kids have some fun. To get off my lawn perspective. Yes. Yeah. No,
1: but he, but but back then, you know, there wasn't. He, you know, it, there wasn't as much, you know, uh, restrictions in place. I think, you know, just in the last no, couple of no. years, where you're getting the hundred thousand dollar fines if you rush the yeah. field.
0: no, um, I, I think I think you got fined if you didn't rush the court back then. Exactly. <laughs> that was yes. the difference.
1: Was still a big, but I'm looking at the game notes from that uh, from that Gonzaga game right now, and it yeah, it said there was almost eleven thousand people there.
0: Yeah, um, so maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but yeah, it was it was. Those
1: numbers, you know, those numbers, but yeah. Yeah, but
0: they're the, usually the cooked. Game, yeah. Yeah,
1: I don't know that you had to. I don't. To your point, I don't know that you really still had to stand in line. You know what I mean? Certainly uh, at that Gonzaga game, I don't think it was one of those ones where I remember when UCLA came into town and they were number one in the country. I think we were number three and we waited in line for two days. You know, to get into that one. Yeah.
0: That
1: was the 07, 8 year. Yep. Uh, no,
0: I was. Yeah, I was. I was in line for that game at 7 p.m. the night before, I think, yeah. yeah. People yeah. had their Xboxes plugged in. And I had my N64 plugged in, yes, I did. <laughs> uh, okay, moving past that Gonzaga game, they go on a good run. They lose the number one UCLA at Poly Pavilion, 55-52, then beat SC, yep. and then back in Pullman. And I think in the lead-up to this game, it's important to note here that this game was during winter break. And, yeah. and, and, and I mean back before the school did anything to try to mitigate the issue of playing games during, you know, conference games during winter break where they would, you know, like they've done in the past, they moved into Spokane Arena. They've they've tried to do other things to attract students. They didn't do anything to try to get people to come back. And so there were only, you know, we talked about that Gonzaga game with nearly 11,000 people. There were only 7,100 people at this game. And again, those numbers can get cooked because they're not really counting things. So what kind of led you to make that decision? Cause I'm sure you went home for break. So what may- led you to make the decision to come back early for that game? I don't, I don't
1: remember. I think that I was just, I, I think that I was just already back. I, I can't see. It was a Saturday. So I don't know. Did school start that? I think that was, was it that it would have been week?
0: two days from then. It would have been on the eighth. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just my kook I mean, like, I and also just, I, I loved Pullman. So I'm sure that that's what, that's what led me, you know, led me to come back. Um, but it was, uh, um, man, that was that, yeah, that was, I, 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 again, it's one of the things I don't even remember. Um, I just remember being there and being, uh, I don't remember, you know, making a conscious decision to come back early to go to that game. Um, I just, I think I just came back because that was the weekend. It, I mean, it probably played into my decision to come back, but, um, but, yeah, that was uh, getting there six mm-hmm. – yeah, Saturdays. I probably got into town that day, I would assume, Yeah. and, th- uh, and then went to the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, um, I, I would just say probably my kookdom. I mean, I, that was – I mean, again, <laughs> that was already – I was – dude, I was I was bought in hook, line, and sinker to that basketball team after after that Gonzaga game. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, like we all were. I mean, it was like – you know, I, I, I had drank the Kool-Aid if you will. Um, and so, and again, in, in those years where, uh, things were a little bleaker, you you, you had that one thing to look forward to. And, and so people, mm-hmm. people, prioritized it more. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm certainly the, you know, while you know, I'm, I'm very pro rush the rush, the court rush, you know, back in the day when it was okay to do that. Uh, not saying that, you know, go for it now, obviously weigh the decision,
0: uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs>
1: But, uh, that, yeah, that Arizona game, um, man, I, yeah, I, I would have probably done anything to get back there for that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: It was a very, I'm, I'm looking at the game notes here and it was oh. a very, because, you know, again, like we mentioned, there's no highlights to watch anywhere of this yep. game. I surged high and low for it. Yep. Um, it's a very slow first half, very typical Tony Bennett first half at ends 27 24 Arizona. And again, that's kind of a, a score we all came to expect over the years and only now, watching Virginia games, do I understand why everybody thought Wazoo basketball was so boring? I didn't think so. They were winning. Um, But do you remember what you were thinking at halftime in that game? Because the guy we're going to talk about really as the difference in this game, he hadn't really gone off yet. It's very tight. Wazoo had been up, I think, as many as seven in that half, or ten actually in that half, and Arizona managed to claw back and take a lead at halftime. Do you remember just... Like, having any feeling whatsoever, one way or another, about how this was going to go at halftime?
1: Well, I think that you always had that sense with the Tony Bennett teams, and even though this was still early in the Tony Bennett era, I mean, you were never out of the fight, right? Like, ever. Like, that's so cliche, but you were never out of it. And because... Uh, the games were so boring because every possession was valued so much uh, because we knew that they were the best defensive team in the Pac-10. I think that you were Pac-10. Yeah, by Pac-10, the way,
0: Pac-10 said, 10, Yeah, Pac-10.
1: Goodness. Um, so we knew that we knew all those things. So to be down by three, um, you didn't really feel there. There wasn't You, you weren't scared at that point. Now, granted. The difference between 10 points with the Tony Bennett team and three points with the Tony Bennett team was, you know, was huge because 10 points, you're having to press the, you know, press the issue a little yeah. bit. Um, and that's where they would get into trouble. But, yeah, I, I think that there was just always that. I mean, I feel like a lot of the Tony Bennett squads, you know, were, were down a couple points at half and then it was always the second half where they would kind of lock in um, mm-hmm. defend but so there was always, there was a lot of I think three point deficits five point deficits at halftime and then they would come back um, and, and lock it down in the second half which is I think what they did in this game I, I, I thought, thought I saw the percentages somewhere but um, like Arizona's lowest shooting percentage of the season so far mm-hmm. so they they locked it down. Um, you know in the second half and that, that's kind of what you came to expect. I think that was still where we were you know building that trust, right? Yeah <laughs> um, that,
0: that
1: they were that they were gonna be able to pull it out. but um, you know that was certainly a, a feeling that you started to end up getting was you know you were never really out of it, um, you know, down mm-hmm. a couple points. Now granted, I don't think anyone expected what came in the second half.
0: No, and I want to talk about that. That's a good lead into this because it was uh, the the team was god awful from three point range in the in the first half. They were two of thirteen. They finished the game nine of thirty. But yeah. the person who made seven of those, I, you know, I I never would have. Exci- I, mean, I mean, he was a good three point shooter, but I did not expect David Harmeling to go off for. Five three pointers in the second half to splash 15 points just from beyond the arc and to, in an upset of the number seven team in the country, your leading scorer on a team that included Derek Lowe, Kyle Weaver, a very young Taylor Rochesti, Robbie Cowgill,
1: to be David Harmeling. Yeah, yeah. David Hart, yeah, he was the hero in Pullman that night, and there was like no question about it. And, and I, I, what do you have the numbers in front of you? Uh, were, were most, most of those three pointers in the second half? Yeah, right? five of them were like in the second half. He
0: made, he made two in the first half, and he made five in the second. Yeah.
1: And I, and I don't know if this is accurate, but you know how our brains work and our memories kind of all get melded together. Um, I feel like, all five of those came in the last five minutes and an overtime of that game because it was like this flood gate that just opened up and he, yeah. you knew that after like the first one or two, you knew that every one that he took, he was gonna hit. He was just on, um, and and he they, he kept getting open looks. I saw a quote from him that said, "All I did was hit open shots." <laughs> you know what I mean? that that was yeah. <laughs> that was his, his post game quote. And and if that doesn't speak to the humility of that team, I don't know what else does. But um, but he, I mean, he, every shot he spotted up, you knew he was going to make before it even went mm-hmm. uh, at that point. And and and, it, it, and and they all seemed to be daggers at the time, right? And then yeah. So there was all there was something about that game where every one of those three pointers that David hit t- kind of towards the end every one of them felt like a dagger. So you were on that, you know, that ledge of emotion. And, and so everybody, you know, kept jumping, yeah. on, you know, on crazy after each one. And then somehow something would happen. We get a turnover, Arizona would come back, hit a three, and then all of a sudden it's tied again. And then David would come back down, hit a three. Okay. Now there's how many seconds left. And, and so every one of them felt like um, that was going to be enough to, to do it. Um, and then of course it ended up going into overtime. Um, yeah. But uh but he, yeah, they, I think that there was, eventually there became a, a feeling that he was just going to hit every single one of those shots that he took. He was, it was, you know, it was like a Clay Thompson-esque uh, performance that mm-hmm. night where. When that jumper was on, it wasn't going to be
0: off. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, looking at it, he made his last three-pointer with about a minute tw- 12 to go in regulation, and luckily he did because Arizona came back and tied it, like you said. They tied it with 12 seconds left to go. Ivan Rodenovich, I think is how you say Radenovich. his last name? Yeah, yeah Radinovich. Yeah. Tied it. And so going into overtime, I mean, I, you know, you're already on a razor's edge of emotion. Yes. And then you go into overtime, and Arizona doesn't score until there's a buck 54 to go. And they only get as close as two after that. And then it's just a free throw fest basically until the end and Wazoo wins. So did you rush the court? Yes or no? Yes, you did. And I assume you came out uninjured. Yes. But what was the feeling like? Because Arizona missed a three-pointer with four seconds to go, but even then they were down four. How, How are you feeling? And do you remember... How you felt in that moment, right after that, just knowing that the game was over?
1: I don't. I just don't. I don't. I don't know that there are feelings, right? You're just so in that moment. I mean, obviously, obviously there are feelings, but you're just so like. I, I mean, like just absolute elation, justification. You know, people had still doubted, You know, were doubting the Cougs at that. They weren't ranked at that point, even though they had a. You know, obviously like a, a pretty cupcake schedule up until that point, with the notable win of Gonzaga. But I feel like that game you know, for not just Coug fans, but for the rest of the country Mm -hmm. uh, was kind of the justification. And so you felt that, you know, there's that chip on our shoulder always. Right. So it was like, oh, we get to show off this little chip of ours a little bit, you know, after that game. So that was fun. I remember I remember everybody. Kind of, you know, Davin was obviously the the focal point, so everyone kind of went, you know, went towards Davin. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, I remember just same same as you. I mean, it was just always a flood to get to the court um, and do it safely. But uh, man, I yeah, that was just you're just so overcome uh everyone was screaming everyone was going nuts um and uh yeah it was it was a it was a special and i think that was the first one i mean gonzaga was a big one but that was the first one where like i said you really felt like this was Mm -hmm. something big this was something was happening here uh that was gonna be special and then you know of course we all know how that season ended up and then most notably the season after that yeah um but uh, but yeah, that was kind of where it started to build, and and, uh, and that was the first one. And and one of my biggest memories of that of that game actually came a couple of days later, uh, because it was I mean it was just like like you said, just a flood of emotion at the moment. But I had a one of our I think mass comm classes and taught odd you know five hundred people or whatever. Yeah it was. yeah yeah. And uh, and I'm in there, and yeah, I mean you know how it is in there. There's you, you, usually you're sitting like three chairs apart from somebody else or whatever. Yeah, social
0: and, social distancing before it was cool in those rooms. E- yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah, so you could take a nap, you know, maybe or something. To, that, not me. There was other people that did that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh,
0: yes. But, but, no. This, never you. No. No, no. no. I mean,
1: those seven those seven o'clock in the morning lecture
0: classes. No, never. No. Uh, but
1: I remember. I think it was probably that Monday then. Um, I went to class in in a in, in the Todd Odd, and I'm sitting there, three chairs on either side of me, and Kyle Weaver uh, comes up, and again, I'm a sophomore. I'm like, you know, you, you remember me in college? I was very, you know, sports, and this is, yes. you know, uh, it was sports driven. And so Kyle Weaver comes up, and and uh, never met him before, and he just sits in the chair right next to me, um, in this 500 person auditorium, and that was right after the Arizona game and uh you know the monday following and, and i it was just like starstruck i was like oh my gosh i think he had a double double in that game that arizona game so he did he have a, a double
0: double yeah yeah mm-hmm. he was a huge
1: contributing factor in that game too um and so i just remember asking him um you know how you know how was that because it was gonzaga then arizona and, and now people were starting to believe and And he said, "Man, I tell you what, that was the best feeling that I've ever had in my basketball career. Was that Arizona game?" And he goes, "And that game was at seven o'clock at night, so it got over probably about ten, right?" And he was from he was from Wisconsin, and so that was you know one o'clock in the morning Wisconsin time. And he and he said, "Man, I was I called every single family member, uh, you know, talked to them, (laughs) talked to them until three in the morning after that." And uh, that was just special, man. And he, he was obviously a, a super, uh, if you ever got a chance to meet him, just a, an awesome, uh, just like everybody on that team, super humble, um, just really excited. And I just thought it was so special, you know, that he had his, his biggest, you know, career moment or or uh, his, his favorite memory there yeah. in Poland. Yeah. yeah, In that game, that was pretty special. I mean,
0: only surpassed a few weeks later when they beat Washington 75-47, I'm sure. Uh, and hold at that on, point.
1: also, that was the year that they beat Washington three times because they had, they faced them in the Pac-12
0: yep. tournament, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Trust they beat, me, they I beat, let... You, you remember that very well. I still remember this day, Ryan Appleby hit a three to put them up like one very, very early oh, in the game. God. And he like shushed the student section. I think Wazoo ripped off like a 28-5 to run after that or oh, something, It was just... It was just like I wanted to kiss that. I want to kiss that moment, uh, even though it happened so many years ago. Um, I forgot that name. Yeah. Applebee.
1: Holy cow! But oh God, yeah. You you better believe I didn't let any of my husky friends. No. Uh, forget that we beat them three times. And I think that was in a run. I think we ended up going into the next year. We ended up beating them seven times in a row. Yeah, they beat them seven
0: like times that. in a row. Yeah, they yeah. did. They did beat them seven Ooh. times in a row. Uh, yeah. So what did so after that to this day? How are you, how are you feeling about Kyle Smith right now? Cause I, you know, obviously oh, yeah. we don't need to talk about Ernie Kent very much, uh, yeah. at all. We got clay Thompson, which was, was wonderful. The last year, Tony Bennett was here and then with Ken bone. So I, I know you're as big a fan of his as I am, mm-hmm. but how, how are you feeling right now with this basketball team going into next year? You know, again, assuming everything's where we should be, but how, how are you feeling about the direction of this program?
1: Uh, I I'm very optimistic. Um, yeah. I, I mean, just put plainly. I mean, um, the the last several years before this year, the the years that will not be named, um, <laughs> it was it was uh, you know, I, it, it's just encouraging. I think to see that Pullman is still a place that can win and that can uh, in basketball and that can recruit people. And you know, we had heard for a long mm-hmm. time that. We were looking to get these people, these guys, to come to Pullman that, that never ended up working out, and now we're seeing not only uh, an uptick in the recruiting with Kyle Smith, but we're seeing, um, you know, I, I mean, the transition. Granted, they, you know, they ended up going what 500 this year. They did, um, yeah. But the, it, it felt different, right? Like it felt like they were in almost every single game they played for the most part, um, and it looked like basketball again, uh, yeah. which which would, uh, I was the most excited about, um, you know, just seeing those first couple games and, and you know, the, just the spacing on the court and, you know, finding the open guy, you know, finding, you know, that extra pass and getting, it, it just felt like teamwork and it felt like the guys bought in really, really quickly uh, mm-hmm. to what Kyle Smith is doing. And, and, uh, you know, obviously the longer he's in, in town, the more and more he'll be able to implement that system with the guys that he likes, but yep. to see, to see the instantaneous, um turnaround not turnaround i won't call it a turnaround yet but see the instantaneous you know kind of change from where we were headed and it just felt like everybody even all the all the players just felt more optimistic like they had a mission and a purpose and a Mm -hmm. goal that they were all striving you know mutually to achieve and and so um i don't know man it, it it looked a lot better uh, than than anything we've seen yeah. in a long time, and and there was there was moments where you know it, it felt like Bennett ball again. Seeing defense again was fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Noah Williams, can we talk about Noah Williams for a second? That guy yes, you may. is my favorite dude on that team. I don't know what it is. I love his fire. Uh, he reminds me of kind of like a Kyle Weaver, just the defensive side of him. Um, long, you know. Oh man, yeah, I love that kid. He's got he's, he's gonna, got he's got a little
0: more moxie than Kyle Weaver though, which I he love. Does. Oh, I he love does. I love it. Yeah, love he it. does. But he but
1: that same defensive first mindset. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's so funny because you can tell, you know, the era that we were in when we get like all excited about defensive basketball, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but, but, man, Noah Williams is fun, man. And it's that mos- Moxie, too, uh, that you mentioned. I think he's just going to be a blast to watch. But, you know, yeah. now we've got – I I forget the name, but the, 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 the big man that they just signed, the center.
0: Deshaun Jackson.
1: Deshaun Jackson, thank you. I mean – was the last time we had a guy like that come to you know what I mean? Like it's, it's been a, it's
0: been a hot minute. I think Brock Modem was the last time they had a guy that highly rated.
1: And, and, and not only highly rated, but a guy that is you know for it feels like forever we've been trying to make six six eight six nine guys be centers. You know, in, yeah. in Paul. and now you've got a true true center coming in, a huge cog in the wheel that uh, that's going to help this thing turn. And and uh, Kyle Smith, man, just I, I can't say enough about him. Just every every interview I see. Um, he just seems like the guy that, that, uh, that is in it for all the right reasons. And, and, uh, and he's going to be, he's going to be very special. I think in Pullman, it's going to be fun to watch.
0: Yeah. All right. I promised you, I would tell this story as, (laughs) as a way as I don't think you needed enticement to come on the podcast, but I promised I would tell you the story (laughs) about the following season against UCLA. Of course, that was Kevin loves one year on the team. He was a relatively local kid from, portland and of course we've been you know whipped up into uh, fervor uh by Wait, this was team the, at this was point. that the game was, was that the two-day waiting in line game was yes that, that was one? that was a two-day waiting yeah. in line game and yep. um i was with at the time a girl who was deciding if she wanted to like if we wanted to date or not we both knew that we liked each other a lot and so we were trying to sure. figure out if we wanted to date or not um and we were sitting uh, if everybody can imagine when the camera pans left So we were sitting on that end of the court and, and, and Beasley has this, you know, that concrete kind of barrier around the lower seats and the upper seats, the ones they can roll back. Well, Kevin Love had accumulated some sweat in his buttock region. We'll say buttock uh region. Uh And because college students are so polite and wonderful, all uh, 5,000 of them were letting him know that they also knew that he had accumulated that sweat in that area. Yeah, that was a fun chant. Yes, I, it was. And yeah. it, in the interest of your employer, I won't repeat it. Uh, it's not bad, <laughs> but it's not, it's not by any means, uh, you know, obscene, but still. Yeah. Um, they were, like you said,
1: they were letting him know that yes, he might that want he to change
0: ch- his shorts. Um, so I responded in my exuberance, let's say, uh, and stone completely sober, mind you, and knew that Kevin Love's dad was directly across the court at us. And when Kevin Love came to the free throw line on that end, I decided that a really good thing to do would be to jump up onto that concrete barrier, turn around, bend over and start pointing at the region where he had that issue and also yelling the chant at him extremely loudly. <laughs> he missed both free throws. And I think his dad like pointed at me and the ushers like tried to come over and find me and they never did. Uh, but that woman I was, I was that woman I was with, uh, I would go on to marry and be <laughs> and have a child coming in July. Wow. with Yes. She decided even after, even after that, she decided that, she would, she would marry me. Yes.
1: Well, and, and that's where the that's where the in sickness and in health comes in, right? Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> and that was... I think I, that's it's, it's a little bit of an overextension of that uh, phrasing. I think, unfortunately, for her. But yes, that is where that comes in. So there you go. You have the Kevin Love, kind quarter sweat story that you've been wanting for so long. I, I
1: needed that so bad. And <laughs> we were, we were, uh, you know, I man, going back into, into our personal history. I mean, we had the show together on cable eight yep. and, and things like that, but I do not remember this particular moment. So I, I really, um, I really appreciate you sharing that. I would,
0: I, your I would be remiss if I didn't say it's one of my yeah. prouder moments. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Blake Jensen, the evening weather anchor at KHQ. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you sharing. Good catching up with you, Press.